Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM on good old-fashioned radio or on a Tuesday night live web streaming at www.triplehfm.com.au or maybe you're listening to us on podcast at podcasts.com or wherever else you pick up your podcasts. Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes and all the bad places as well. You know, it's not often that you come across and become part of a piece of sporting history. We've been far too guilty in Sydney, in Australia, even around the world at ignoring our history in many aspects of our life in recent times. Well, there's one piece of sporting history that we on Splinters are not going to forget. On Saturdays, February the 1st and February the 8th in the year 2020, Robert Aitken of the North Sydney Bears Cricket Club broke the record for the most number of first grade games in the over 125 year history of the competition dating back to the 19th century. He played his 473rd game of first grade cricket, breaking the record formerly held by another Sydney first grade great, Kenny the Emu Hall. Rob Aitken played his first first grade game in 1992. Now consider what life was like back in 1992 for those that remember. The internet? Well, that was nothing more than the name given to an elaborate fishing device used by large trawler companies off coastlines. It was only starting to be used internally as a communications nickname inside the US Pentagon. There were only five television stations. Mobile telephones were large brick-like almost footstops that you needed to carry around with you weighing over a kilogram. Paul Keating was Prime Minister, taking us through the recession we had to have and the last recession that Australia has had to this day. Nick Greiner was about to fall on his sword as New South Wales Premier after falling foul of rebel Liberal politician Terry Metherill. Remember him? Warm, dry and green. The Brisbane Broncos had just won their first ever Winfield Cup Rugby League Premiership and the West Coast Eagles had just won their first AFL crown. The Australian cricket team had just endured a disappointing World Cup campaign at home with the final being won by Imran Khan's Pakistani cornered Tigers, and the West Indies, still the kings of test cricket, were about to come to Australia for one of the most memorable test series played in this country's history. 1992 was the last time the Great Britain Rugby League team embarked on a full Ashes tour of Australia, and at the Barcelona Olympics, Kieran Perkins smashed his own 1500 metres world record by five seconds to win the first of his two Olympic gold medals. An interesting time for Rob Aitken to start his Sydney first grade cricket career. In the 28th, nearly 29 years since his debut, and yes, that's right, that means he started his time in first grade before most of his current day opponents and teammates were even born. Aitken has scored over 11,000 runs with the bat, and taken over 600 wickets with his mystery finger spinners. He's played for four clubs, Fairfield, the old Petersham Marrickville, 
now merged with Randwick to form Randwick Petersham or the Randy Peets, Parramatta and his current club, the North Sydney Bears, for whom he has played since 2001. It was my privilege to sit down with Rob Aitken between those two Saturdays to shoot the breeze and talk all things cricket with the Belvedere Cup's newest record holder. Rob Aitken, Sydney first grade record holder. Welcome to Splinters. Thanks, thanks Tony. Appreciate it. How does that sit with you? Sydney first grade all-time games record holder. It's probably something you never thought about when you started all those years ago. I think it's something I haven't started. I was thinking about probably the last sort of couple of games actually really. Um, it, it sort of caught up really quickly with the 2020s being counted um, as um, first grade games. It just sort of all hurried and yeah, there we are. And here, and here it is. Yeah. How have you felt about the amount of respect and dare I say even love from teammates from club people other people the general cricket community to this achievement which sort of like snuck up on a lot of people not just yourself it's actually a little bit humbling really just um, obviously you know family and whatnot and your teammates you kind of expect that sort of you know respect from but sometimes oppositions you don't always get that but Oppositions and other people we've played against over the years have been have been excellent. Actually, they've been just it's been wonderful. What about family? I know they're very important to you. They even come and still support you and come to games even now, all these years later. Without them, none of this would have been possible. Oh, absolutely! Like even today, like Mum was here today. Like Mum, my Mum's been sort of going to first grade cricket since probably the 1950s <laughs> so it's um i think she's probably seen more games of first grade cricket than probably many people um but yeah obviously with family family for me is very important um you know i probably wouldn't be playing cricket to start with without family because it's very much a, a family thing for us like my my dad played yep. first grade for many many seasons for um cumberland and a little bit for sydney um, and my uncle John um, also played um, for many, many years for first grade, and then he continued to play for um, for Cumberland and Parramatta down throughout the grades, captaining all those grades. Um, even played, I think, um, Auburn Shires until his into his seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, family's massive, and also just the fact that the, it's a, it's a massive commitment for my family, my my kids and my wife, like the support that they've given over the years to allow me to actually continue to train and and play at a reasonable level has just been incredible. Um, it just can't, it, I just can't emphasise enough how much, um, how important that is. Well, that's the thing because you still have a job, a school teacher by profession, and you still have to keep that going, especially at this stage of your career. And still, like a lot of guys and even and a lot of girls at the grassroots level, they have to juggle both. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm really fortunate to have a job that I love, but also it's a job that allows me to play cricket. Um, you know, you see a lot of people who sort of just are unable to continue playing um, at sort of at all or at a really high level just for the fact that, you know, the work commitments sort of just take over and the family commitments take over. So it's, I think it's just a, a mark of what our society is like. It's, um, it's sort of made cricket a very much a young person's game because they're the only one who can really sort of find the time to play. Uh, it seems. Mm. We'll come to that aspect later in the program, but I'll run this list past you. This is going to be a list of players and names that you've either played with or against. It's a long list, so bear with me, but it's a who's who of cricket in this city over the last 35, 40 years, and this probably magnifies the achievement. Steve War, Mark War, Dean War. Danny War, hmm. 
Mark Taylor, Michael Slater, Steve Small, Rod Bauer, Wayne Holdsworth, Gavin Robertson, Richard Chiqui, Mike Whitney, Jeff Lawson, Greg Matthews, Stuart McGill, Shane Lee and Brett Lee, Glenn McGrath, the two Stephen Smiths, yeah. the two Tony Clarks, yes. Grant Lambert, yep. Greg Mayle, Brad McNamara, David Friedman, Phil Emery, Corey Richards, Trevor Bayliss, Tim Crookshank, Greg Hain, Ian Moran, Phil Marks, Peter Taylor, Adam Gilchrist, Scott Thompson, Tim Cummins, Pat Cummins, Adam Crosswaite, James Crosswaite, Trent Copeland, Doug Bollinger, Paul Steptoe, Phil Alley, Adam Semple, Anthony Stewart, John Davison, Rod Davison, Murray Creed, Daniel Sams, Anthony Stewart, Adam Semple, Sean Abbott, Nick Burtis, Dirk Wellham, Nathan Catalano, Trevor Jay, David Horn, Graham Hughes, John yep. Dyson, Dominic Thornley, Sean Bradstreet, Shoaback Tar, hmm. Harris Rauf, Zach Crawley, Mark Stoneman, Chris Green, Rod Tucker, Adrian Tucker, Bo Casson, Josh Hazelwood, David Warner, Mitchell Stark, and Kenny the Emu Hall, the record of whom you've just broken. And I'm sure I've missed another 50 or so players to whom I deeply apologise. I, I don't reckon I played against all of those guys. I think I don't think I played actually played against Jeff Lawson. He probably would have been playing when I was playing, but I actually don't think I ever played against him. But that's but probably the that's only one. Pretty much the only one on that list. When when I read that list out, what goes through your mind? That must bring and evoke a lifetime of all sorts of memories. It actually it actually does. You sort of it's sort of you don't even think about those really, but yeah, it's um it's good to play great cricket because you get to basically play against all the very best players that have sort of come from New South Wales and you get to play against a lot of internationals as well. Um, just going through that list, I was just trying to tick off how many of those I've actually got out. <laughs> I reckon I've probably got about half of them out, but, um, <laughs> but the other half got away from me. But, um, but yeah, but there's some just outstanding players there. Like obviously you've got all the sort of state and test players. Um, but ones that just really stand out are blokes like um, Greg Mayle, like just an outstanding player. I just can't emphasise how good he was. Ian Moran. Moran, just a brilliant all-rounder, great batsman, fantastic player. Grant Lambert, I just think, I honestly think he was probably the most underrated bloke there is. He should have just got so much more shield cricket because um, he was just dominant in Sydney grade for mm. years and years and you see blokes get, you see blokes they stick with them and they stick with them but he just didn't get the opportunities that I reckon he deserved after being so dominant in grade um, it's just yeah Wakar Yunus Shoa Bakhtar so all those internationals I forgot Wakar Yunus I'm sure yeah I he, know, played, that, he played was, for us there yeah. was someone I did I knew I forgot someone yeah yeah and, there's, and he's probably one of many I've forgotten there are quite a few out. little quite a few West Indians in there as well to sort of pop their heads in but yeah so she was interesting playing against Shoa Bakhtar at North Sydney Oval on a green top <laughs> um, that was a that was an interesting day seeing him charging in like a steam train from the distance very very <laughs> Very small backlift that day. You didn't, you didn't have to hit it really hard. I actually put one of his down onto Miller Street, just a cut shot. I just, 
It's just bowled out sort of stuff. Just put the bat, angled the bat, and away it flew at a million miles an hour. But um, yeah, that was um, some of those. Yeah, some great memories. Some fantastic players, like even both the Lees as well. Just outstanding. And some of those guys were. Um, some of those guys, you know, obviously played in national cricket, did really well. But a lot of those blokes would actually, in the, in the olden days, would actually play a lot of great cricket. Mm. Like, I ended up playing in Steve Waugh many times because he was always the kind of guy who would come back and he'd, he'd sort of front up for Bankstown and he'd sort of he'd sort of put him in his club, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Is that something that, for various reasons, is now more or less lost from the grade game? Has the grade game suffered as a result? Well, I suppose it does give people opportunities, um, but there are also a lot of opportunities for people to, I suppose, play Big Bash and other things. Um, where they sort of can go to that other level as well, um, but it, it does it does make it quite a it does make it quite a spectacle. It was like even though that um, see Steve Smith and Warner when they had that suspension, um, it was terrible for Australian cricket, but it was fantastic for Sydney grade cricket. Mm. Um, playing against them, um, I played against both of them um, when during that suspension, and um, you know the way they play, they played brilliantly when they were here, but it was just. They, they they drew crowds to the game, but they also gave us an opportunity to play against them. So that was um, that was fantastic. And I've forgotten another one, the late Philip Hughes. Yeah, oh, Philip Hughes. He was he was a lovely fella actually. Um, played against him quite a few times as well. He he. I'll give you an indication of what a nice bloke he was. Like basically, we were playing against him down at um, Western Suburbs, and he just played a Test match I think in um, Perth or something like that. He might have been Perth. And one of our fast bowlers came charging in and he sort of whacked one, he's sort of broken his bat and he's about to just smash his bat over his um over his knee. He's like, Oh, this thing's busted. I said, Mate, don't do that, give it to me. <laughs> and he actually did. He said, Here you go, buddy. Um, take this. I said, make sure you autograph it for me. So I've still got his still got still got his cricket bat. Um and um but it's just an indication of what a lovely bloke he was. Um and that was that was a real tragedy. I can understand why there was such an outpouring of sort of grief and sorrow at his sort of passing because, um, yeah, he was he was a champion fella. Going through all of those other names, though, you've seen the whole change from the days that I mentioned uh, to you off air and as I mentioned in the introduction when you started uh, first grade cricket, the internet was an elaborate fishing device used for fishing companies off the coast and... We only had five television stations and mobile phones were huge brick things that you also used as doormats and you needed charges to lumber around with you. Yeah, we're uh, showing our age here. And, indeed. Um, and the VCR was the uh, was the, the whiz-bang gadgetry of uh, the day. It was the pinnacle of technology. It was the pinnacle yeah. of technology. <laughs> but all of that has now changed and the game obviously uh, has changed as well. With the advent of T20... And changes to eligibility, uh, etc. What's been the biggest change that you've seen? Well, it's hard to narrow it down. Oh, to I was one. just thinking today. Like, yeah, at the back at the back end of the innings, the tail enders are usually there. Sort of in the past, they used to throw the bat, trying to hack it out the mid wicket. We had tail enders trying to ramp uh, today, <laughs> so that's not something you used to see in the past. But um, yeah, obviously, um, cricket has changed a little bit. I think the, the way it's played. Um, 
obviously I can't talk I can't talk about the past like I know my dad had lots of stories about what cricket was like with uncovered wickets and and mm. all that kind of stuff so I basically grew up sort of listening to all those kind of stories about teams getting knocked over for 30 and then going in and knocking the other team over for 30 but um so I've always sort of played in the air in the era of sort of covered covered wickets so mm. We very rarely play on a wet thing. The wicket, the wicket quality really these days is is, is really good. Um, is it too good? Well, it depends. If you're a, if you're a batsman, um, if you're a batsman, it'd be it's, it's quite good. But um, I I really can't remember the last time I played on a, a dry turner. I, I haven't haven't played on one of those in ages. I can't actually remember the last time. <laughs> um, but usually there's a bit of grass on them, and usually they they hold together pretty well. And um, so the standard of, the standard of Sydney wickets is, is really good. Um, so yeah, but and you, you basically three hundred is is not a big score these mm. days. You know, if you're you're sort of looking at three fifty, three eighty, four hundred as being a, a really big score, and three hundred is very chaseable. Um, four hundred has been chaseable in recent times on the on, given the right circumstances. Yeah, well, 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 that's exactly it. So that's that's changed, and obviously, you know, cricket cricket bats have, have changed a lot too. Um, I just I've still got my old cricket bats and they just they're toothpicks like the actual edges there's just absolutely nothing of them mm. I'm thinking geez this is a really good bat I used to think and I looked at it now and it's like how did I actually hit sixes with this thing in the past <laughs> like it's just there's nothing to it um, but yeah so that's that's changed a little bit so um, is it too far one way towards batsmen I, I know you can You've, you haven't been a bad batsman yourself in your time, but you're predominantly a spin bowler. Is it too far tilted the other way? Oh, I don't know. Like, I have to say, like, I, I sort of, I sort of tilt myself between being a bowler and being a batsman. Um, I sort of have throughout my career. Um, so like, I, I actually, I actually don't mind the fact that the bats have improved. I don't mind the fact that the the wickets are, are relatively good um, because that sort of has always been an advantage for the batting. But um, but then again, there's always a lot in it for the seamers too. Like usually, there's a little bit of grass in the pitch in the first session. You know, there's a bit of life. But I suppose that's a, that's always been the case. Uh, I know with us, though, in the last couple of years, just going back from um, from turf balls in the red red ball cricket to uh, regulation balls, I think has sort of brought the pendulum back, and there's a bit more of a balance. Um, for the uninitiated. We, you're talking about the change of the type of cricket ball, not the manufacturer, but the type of cricket ball yeah, from right. one style of ball to another, basically, to cut out all the technological stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the regulation ball has got a slightly bigger seam and it sort of just gives the um, medium pace bowlers a little bit more to work with um, compared to the, the turf ball, which is the kind of ball that um, they're using in test cricket. Um, and I can understand why... You know, teams would look to try to get some kind of advantage with those turf balls because there's not a lot in it for the for the fast bowlers and whatnot. But um, yeah, so that's that's sort of been good how that sort of sort of swung back the other way. And we still have the um the sort of the the, the test quality turf ball in um 2020s and one day games when you want a bit more scoring. So that's I think they found a good balance now. You mentioned family. Some people have tried to make something of oh you've got the record back for the family because it was. The most number of first grade games was in the family with your father and your uncle back in the day. Um, but that's not to take anything away from the man you've taken the record from, Kenny, uh, the Emu Hall. Um, what do you make of that? Is that just a bit of kite flying by some people trying to get a bit of rivalry in someone's old age, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just a, just a point of interest. I don't think we even knew that um, until this week 
that dad actually held the record at one point. I don't, I don't think that's ever been on sort of our radar. Like dad's always been very much, he was always focused on the wickets he takes and so forth. So we ended up with like 800 odd wickets, which is just a ridiculous amount. We actually did the average for the amount of games. That means he, on average, he got three wickets per game, mm. every game for his whole career which is just, those numbers are just... Over 30 rid- plus years, rid- which is ridiculous. Ridiculous numbers. And Ken Hall's numbers are, are very much similar. So just massive numbers for, for both those guys. So, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't sort of read much into that because we haven't really thought about that. But the, the, fact that, um, the fact that Ken Hall held that record, and I obviously played a lot against Ken, and sort of I knew the, the quality of player he was, not just the, the quality of the way he played, the, the you know, his skill, but also the way he played cricket. He played cricket in such a great way, you know. He was, he was a tough competitor. He was always sort of in on the game, and you know you had, you, you're in a contest with him. When people mention Ken Hall, the Yemi, they say that he may very well have been the best player not to have played Sheffield Shield cricket. There's the story that he was selected or he was in a squad of 12 or he was a, a so the legend goes, told to get to the SCG, he was going to be called in. When he got there, he was told, look, you're not required because player XYZ has passed a late fitness test he's playing, and that's as close as he got. With yourself, a lot of people are now saying that you were perhaps the best player never to get to first-class cricket. You got to second 11, got to within touching distance in 2000, 2001. What are your thoughts when you look back on that? Honestly, I think there's quite a few players that sort of come to mind um, who haven't played first-class cricket who are brilliant players. Um, Ian Moran is the one that really stands out to me. Um, Another bloke was Jared Burke. Yeah. So there have been a lot of players who, for for whatever reason, um, sort of haven't sort of done that. I know I'm very sad to hear that that, that's what happened to Kenny Hall. (laughs) I was always under the impression that he actually did play shield cricket. He he did get to second 11, but that was as far as he went, I understand. That's a shame. He probably deserved to play for for New South Wales. I'm sure a lot of players, you know, probably weren't as good as Kenny did get a go. So that's a shame. I'm pretty sure my old man probably should have played for New South Wales. You were telling well. me off air, off air that yeah. he'd be the first to say that it should, he should have played New South, well, for New South Wales. To be honest, though, there are actually a lot of other people who said that too. Um, but I suppose just for the fact that the way he played, the way he played his cricket to a certain extent, and he would he would say it as it was. Um, and I think the way cricket was in those days, you know. In the olden days, I don't think that was the kind of approach that sort of people enjoyed. I think things changed a little bit with the chapels and, and whatnot through that era. But when when Dad was sort of in Shield squad and whatnot, I, I don't think um, I, I don't think uh, yeah people uh, people took uh, the way he played cricket that well. I don't think they understood it actually at the time. But you you mentioned playing the game, and there's this spirit of cricket thing that's been inserted into the the prologue of the Australian Cricket Board or Cricket Australia's conduct of the game since you started and there's always been this stigma about Australians being the best sledgers in the game when Australians are probably the best at it rather than others. Sydney first grade cricket is known as one of the the stamping grounds and one of the, the places where you cut your teeth to play the cricket in the way it should be or shouldn't be played. You've seen a heck of a lot yourself. What do you say to those that say that Australians have no skill and they're just good at sledging and that's how they get their batsmen out and win their games, It's apart from having a laugh and a chuckle? Well, obviously, obviously cricket, cricket's about trying to put pressure on the opposition, I suppose. Um, so many people would, would use um, sledging and other things. I have to say, though, um, being 
being sort of you know, thinking about the past and you know what it's like now like it was more of an all-out battle with a lot more sledging and you you expected to sort of cop heaps and heaps when you um when you played um in the past these days like you very very rarely ever hear anyone sledging to any great extent at all you might have the odd comment you might have a frustrated bowler here or there um but yeah, it's 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 not usually personal. It's not usually that horrible or vicious. Uh, it sometimes could be in the past. Actually, <laughs> I'm just thinking thinking starting first grade in the '90s. If you played against somebody like St George or something like that, you knew you'd be copying a you'd be copying a gobful and you'd be copying it all day. Um, I think I think even even North Sydney was a little bit like that in the olden days before I sort of started playing. Um, you could, you'd, you'd cop a little bit from them as well, but um, but as I said, the, the, it has changed a lot with the spirit of cricket and, and the way the cricket is actually played. It's um, is it too sanitised? It's much it's much more civilised. Um, but I, I think I, I think people like people play quite hard. And, you know, everybody's there's a high level of intensity on the field, and people are people are trying to win those games. But I think um, I think the pendulum swung in the right direction. Um, you know, it has to have a bit of a balance. Yes, a little bit of sledging is okay, but I think I think it's sort of found that right kind of level at the moment, to be honest. All right. The inevitable questions do get asked about different eras. You've played through two, almost three generations, three different eras, and the inevitable questions of the best, the funniest, the most memorable come to mind. So I can't have an introspective and a reflection without asking you those questions. I think you almost mentioned with Shoaib Akhtar the funniest moment <laughs> or one of the more memorable ones. Oh, uh, the, memorable le- me, yeah. the, the legend has it that he would turn up at a ground very much straight out from somewhere the night before with a number of individuals. A few, a few girls in tow, yes. <laughs> individuals I, in yeah, tow. And yeah, then... I'm an eyewitness to that, yes, absolutely. <laughs> But he, he still he still bowled with a fair bit of pace, so I don't know how much sleep he had before he sort of um, before he did that. But yeah, um, so yeah. it is true he did actually turn up to a game at North Sydney over with a number of females. Oh yeah, in yeah. tow. Absolutely, absolutely. That that absolutely did happen. And he still bowled quite rapid. So, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was that. That's a true story. But um, yeah, it's um, I suppose different eras. You're asking about different eras, but um. I suppose it once again it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit, you know. Like when I first started playing, there was you know, the, the, there seemed to be a lot more fast bowling. Yep. Um, there seemed to be a lot more fast bowlers. Each team seemed to have a lot more quicks, um, you know, sort of greater level of pace. I think probably, you know, in the last little while, it's sort of the the pace has the pace has gone out of some of the some of the teams a little bit. Um, that that's probably the, the thing I've noticed mostly the changing of eras. Um, because I think anyone who's sort of got a great amount of pace, sort of going to the next level, and yeah. they're kind of they're kind of managed as well. So you, you kind mm-hmm. of don't you don't see as many of them um, playing in great career. Because anyone who does get identified is sort of put straight in pretty much to those upper levels. Um, but yeah, so that that's a different thing in different eras. Um, I, I have to say, I, I wouldn't say that you know one era is terribly stronger than the other you know sometimes you have people who have re- retired and they say oh yeah my day and but according to what I've seen you know the the level of cricket is sort of maintained very at a very high level throughout hmm. you know I know like a number of years ago they were looking at cutting teams out of um, the grade competition 
you know, trying to say, oh, we want to make it a stronger competition. Because um, you lived through the, the merger push that came from upon high with a couple of administrations well, was, in the past. I was, I was involved in a merger pretty much. So I was, at one stage when I was at uni, I, I played with the Petersham Maricall. Um, it was very convenient for me because I was sort of going to uni at Strathfield at the time. And yeah, so that was pretty much a, a relatively a relatively thriving club uh, until sort of the, the rumours of merger came in and as a consequence, people got a bit spooked and their players sort of all left. There's a whole heap of players that have sort of played for, for Pete. So, um, you know, the Morans, um, mm. um, Dan Smith started at, at Peter Shimmerickville as well. So um, they've been a lot. Of, they had a lot of players and a lot of a lot of talent. We were sort of going along all right, but once yeah, once that happened, everything sort of the wheels kind of fell off and everybody sort of had to leave because really it was just being absorbed by Randwick. And as it turned out, that was really the only merger. Yeah. At the end of the day, because right. other clubs were brought in, and the competition expanded rather than contracted. <laughs> exactly, but as I said, I don't, I don't think it's really in the, in the long term. I don't think it's damaged the level because you know in, in the past there were a number of like powerhouse teams, like you'd have the the Bankstowns and the St George kind of clubs, um, and you'd have the the Minnows, the ones that were sort of a lot weaker. Um, but these days, it just seems to be a relatively it, everybody seems to be very competitive. So um, there's no easy games, um, and, and it wasn't like that in the past either. Best player, or, or maybe it's hard to narrow it down to one, maybe best two or three, or best bowlers, best, best batsman you've seen in grade, in your time. Okay, well, I probably won't sort of talk about any of the internationals that sort of sort of come in and play, but... Because um, that's a separate category. Yeah, I, I would have to definitely... Um, Definitely, definitely, Greg Mayle sort of is head and shoulders above everybody else. I think he's got like 15,000 like first grade runs or something yep. like that. Um, you know, playing against him, um, I really treasure the fact that I actually got him out at some point. <laughs> he wasn't easy to get out. Um, he got in there and he was pretty much he'd set for the day and he'd be away he'd go. Hmm. So he was just, he was a level above in grade cricket. Um, I think um, Ian Moran's another one. Um, just... In my, in my time playing cricket, he was just, um, I think he was another guy who didn't play for New South Wales and he probably should have as well. Um, excellent, an excellent player and a, a wonderful bloke as well. Um, even, I sort of know his family quite well because we sort of, they, they, they started at Petersham as well around about the time I was there. Mm. Um, so some of those guys, and another fantastic player, just for the fact that, um, you know, he would just go so hard at you. Honestly, constantly was like Scott Thompson from Bankstown. Mm. Um, you know, he would come charging in, um, and he'd still get the ball to outswing at good pace. And he sort of was also, you know, a very damaging batsman. Um, so, in, in recent years, in recent years, Jared Burke particularly has just been so consistent over so many years. You know, a lot of people say he's the toughest competitor out there still today. Yeah, well, he's. You know, he's a left-hander and he's always sort of targeting those pads and those stumps. So he's always just, yeah, he's always just hard to get away and he's always just nagging away. And even with the bat, he still contributes. So he's, um, yeah, he's a, a, another handy player. But um, there, there have been many, though, sort of outstanding batsmen and outstanding things I've seen. I've seen, like, you know, massive scores posted. You know, Phil Jake's got a massive score against us once at North Sydney. That's another one I've forgotten. Yeah. But I have to say, probably the most outstanding... Um, most outstanding innings I've probably seen was probably some bloke, by some bloke you guys probably have never heard of, like uh, Brett Collison. He sort of came in, used to play sort of lower grades for Parramatta, 
then he sort of I'm pretty sure he was playing for either Hawkesbury or Blacktown at the time mm. and he he came into North Sydney Oval in a one day game and he just absolutely destroyed the bowling attack hit him to all pass and just that's probably one of the best things I've ever seen um, from a from a from a batsman um, but that was yeah that was very very memorable um, but um, yeah there, there have been a lot over the years and we you know I'm still playing with some excellent players, like guys like Justin Avendano, who just really deserves a chance to be sort of playing at higher levels. Just the talent that guy's got's incredible. Not a bad rap for current North Sydney Bears captain Justin Avendano. Well, umpires have called for drinks, so we'll take that break right now and come back on the other side to continue our chat with Belvedere Cup games record holder Rob Aitken on this special edition of Splinters. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and at www.triplehfm.com.au or at podcasts.com or wherever else you pick up your podcasts. All the good places, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn and all the bad places as well. My name is Tony Dosen the Sultan. This special edition of Splinters where we sit down and chat with Sydney First Grade Cricket's newest record holder, Rob Aitken, playing as this episode of Splinters was put to bed, 473 first grade games over 28 pushing on 29 years. It's time to go back and continue our chat, talking all things cricket, shooting the breeze with Sydney First Grade Cricket's newest record holder. What would also be any other memorable moments, apart from Shoab turning up, Straight from a nightclub with women in tow. <laughs> I think probably the most the most memorable moment for me probably would relate to me playing with my brothers. To yep. be perfectly honest, um, I think um, you know when my my brother was captain of the North Sydney first grade side and we were, you know, in my, my other brother James was playing as well. So Glenn was captain, James was playing, and it was, we were in contention for semis. And like, I think it was the warm up before a game, and Glenn goes to me, you know. How good is this? <laughs> you know, and, and that was just that was just like a, a brilliant moment. You know, it wasn't really, we weren't even playing the game at the time. But mm. you know, I think for me, like our fam- it's it's very much a family thing for us. You know, um, we spent a lot of time training with um, with my dad, my uncle, my brothers, sort of over the years, and it's sort of you know it's it's sort of been a family thing it's sort of been kind of a glue that holds our family together and that's that's sort of what we talk about that's sort of the 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 conversation that we have and it's um yeah it's that that's i suppose to me been the highlights actually the Mm. highlights the time spent with spent with family playing cricket north sydney it's the club you've been at the longest even though the heart is still at peter shimoval with 
Petersham Marrickville. Oh and no. A couple, no, and no. A couple and a couple of other clubs as well. Oh. The, the, the 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 Fairfields and and, and the whatnot. But, oh, even Parramatta. And, the, and Parramatta as yeah, well. Yeah, I basically grew up at Parramatta mm. with my dad there, and sort of we'd be sort of kicking around in the dirt at Old Kings Oval mm. while Dad's playing. So, yeah, that's that was sort of our well, backyard. Oh well, that's let's say a Parramatta boy that's spent a lot of time in a lot of places, but you've found a home at North Sydney in the last. 19, 19 of the 29 or whatever it is years that you've played. How important has North Sydney, that club, been to your time in cricket? Because you've ridden the ups and downs. They've had a lot of ups and downs in that 19-year period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there were, there were times where I think probably North Sydney, they're trying to get them to merge or get them to be sort of merged with sort of um, with Mossman or someone else. But just the fact that we were able to maintain relatively good playing strength sort of kept that away. Um, but... Now, North Sydney, I basically turned up at North Sydney, you know, I had a really good season at, um, at, at Parramatta. I, I ended up winning the O'Reilly medal and, mm. you know, basically I, the word was, mate, you really need to change states if you want to play, play higher levels. I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to change states. My sort of job was sort of, my career was starting to kick off. I sort of met my wife. I really, and I was loving playing baseball at the time. So mm-hmm. I've probably played nearly as many years of baseball as I played cricket. Um, so I thought, well, you know, this has been, you know, the club my dad's played at, my uncle's played at. It was, you know, it was kind of an opportunity for me to sort of, you know, do my own thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll go there for a year, see what it's like. And I only really intended to play there for a season, really, <laughs> just to have a bit of a look. Um, but, no, I've ended up staying there. I've ended up staying there because it's sort of been a club where it's been, it's run by people who have, have played grade cricket as well. Um, there's never been you know, just a, a real big influence of sort of parents and whatnot. Um, it's always been sort of blokes who've actually played for the club. So, and I've, it's been good because you've just been allowed to play your cricket. You know, there hasn't been any off-field stuff. You don't have to worry about politics. That, you know, you just get on there and you just play your game. So I've been, I've been incredibly happy to play there. It's been a great opportunity to play at North Sydney Oval as well. It's a magnificent ground. Um, even if it is on the small side for the boundaries. Well, that's it. I like to challenge myself, clearly, sort of going to North Sydney as a spin bowler. Um, I, I was basically told at first, you know, it might be a small ground, it might not help your bowling too much, but um, it'd be great for your batting. So the first, the, pretty much the first game I played there, the, um, the Northern Spirit soccer team had played the night before <laughs> on our wickets. So literally there were stud marks in the pitch. The, the pitch looked like a golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been told come to, come to North Sydney it's a great batting deck but I got, got to play on a pitch that uh, looked like the moon um, so that was interesting but despite all that um, just the fact that you know the, the people are great and um, you know just the, the atmosphere is it's just such an atmosphere, an atmosphere where it's just a joy to be around um, so yeah, that's why I've stayed how important has it been to play somewhere where there isn't the politics there isn't the overhang there isn't the baggage because without naming clubs or without naming individuals that has happened a lot at other clubs and at other places in your time in this competition probably to the competition's detriment well, that, that's the nature of nature of sport because the sport's sort of run by people you know any anytime you're involved with people you know you look at politics you look at international affairs you know it's people that are messing stuff up so but i don't think that's it's not really avoidable um so i guess i've been lucky to sort of you know find a little calm harbour where I could just sort of do my thing and enjoy my cricket and the fact that you know my brothers also came over eventually have played played a number of years as well 
um, that was sort of an added bonus really. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it has been great. It's, it's, and I'm, I'm sure that um, even my daughter now, my daughter's started playing cricket and you know, she's like, okay, who do you, who do you want to play for, Dana? I want to play for North Sydney, but you know, it's not really that close to a house. There's other people, other clubs that are closer to where we live. And like, she's adamant that she wants to play for North Sydney. So um, we'll, try, we'll try and make that happen, I guess, as well. So we might have another generation playing for North Sydney, maybe in the women's cricket, who knows? That was my next question. I mean, the generation upon generation has been something the Aitken family can be rightly proud of, but you may have just answered what the, the next generation would be. And it's going to be in the women's game, a sector of the game which is clearly taking off and making rapid headway in this country. Well, it's, it's actually, it's, it's very exciting. I, I personally like watching the women's games a lot more on telly, just for the fact that I get to see some different people bat. It's a bit repetitious watching the same people bat over and over again, <laughs> I find personally on telly. So seeing different people bowl, different people bat, I find quite interesting and quite exciting. And yeah, I, like, as I said, being a, as you said, being a primary school teacher, it's um, I've, a lot of money is getting sort of, and energy is being put into the girls' cricket at sort of grassroots level and at schools level, and it's great. So I'm, even at my own school, I'm really, over the last probably five, ten years, we've really pushed hard to have sort of girls cricket participate in, you know, the Milo or the Woolworths Blast Gala Days and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And like we have now, at my own school, we have as many teams, girls teams, we have boys teams and the girls teams are the ones that usually get to the regional finals because they're, <laughs> you know, even better than some of our boys. So, yeah, that is, ex- that is exciting actually. Um, so I don't, I don't know if my, my, my own girls are going to continue with cricket, but they seem to be enjoying it at the moment, so who knows? You never know where that might go. But you're not going to be pushing them down that path? No, no, they've, they've been through a whole bunch of sports already. They've been through their gymnastics and their dancing and the netball and the tennis and all those things. But for some reason, you know, my oldest one sort of has come back to cricket and she seems to be enjoying that. And, yeah, I enjoy going down the nets, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You mentioned you class yourself as a spinner, predominantly. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Or a, 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 a spinner that bats, or, a, or are you a batsman that does some spin bowling or, or a bit of both? Your record would suggest... I've, prob- I've probably done better with the bat than I've done with the ball, to be perfectly honest, over mm-hmm. the years. Um, you know. But you've been a different type of spinner to most. In the, dare I say it, Jack Iverson, Johnny Gleeson, classical, yeah. different flick of the front finger type of mystery spinner well, I started off as just a, a, a proper offie but like I'd always like you know dad always had cricket books around like for his for birthdays and Christmas and stuff like that he was easy you could just buy him a cricket book <laughs> so you know he'd love he'd devour them like you wouldn't believe and so there are all these cricket books around the place so I I kind of got I, I read some of those books I got really interested in sort of the the Iverson kind of delivery and I'd always play around with that in the house would be flicking tennis balls and so forth and um so eventually I started, I started doing that with a cricket ball and sort of that gradually took over a little bit. And, and also sort of with injuries and stuff like that, after smashing my index finger, it made it a little bit harder to bowl regular off here. So it sort of, that was probably a career ending injury. So that's kind of extended my career a little bit as well, sort of moving into, into doing those kind of things. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it is different. It's interesting. It's interesting doing something that's a little bit different as well. Especially, you know, with the, the T20 competitions and all those kind of things these days, that sort of, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting kind of delivery to sort of use in those kind of games. It's lent itself now to differences and change-ups, the T20 game. It was when it came in, it was something that 
Spinbalers thought, well, let's just put them again back on the shelf. But it's followed a similar path to what happened with spin bowling in limited overs cricket, in 50 over cricket, when that started, where spinners were put on the shelf. But then the game evolved. Spin bowling's become a weapon rather than something to be used defensively. Yeah, and agree. that's what's happened in T20 cricket. I'd agree totally. You know, the spinners are generally the hardest ones to get away. You know, if um. They, they, you've got to make your own pace, and if they're, they're bowling good angles or at a good pace, depending on the wicket, and bowling a good length of the wicket, they can be the, the more difficult. When the quicks and sometimes the ones that come onto the bat, and mm. you know that impact speed you know, makes it easier sometimes because you, you can use your angles a little bit more as well with the quicks bowling. But uh, yeah, definitely, there's definitely a place for spinners, which it's kind of exciting to actually come in while I'm still playing, while T20, and sort of yeah have a. Have a, I suppose a new lease on life and a, another kind of um, yeah another interest really. How important has staying fit in your age bracket been to remain competitive at this level? There are those that say that sometimes fitness levels are overrated. Yes, you can run laps of the oval over and over again, but that's not going to help you face an outswinger practice in the nets facing bowling whether it be from a bowling machine or from someone sending them down is the best way of facing an outswinger or a bouncer but as time has gone on fitness has led to longevity in your case yeah well i suppose there's cricket fit and then there's just the general fitness as well like it's kind of a different fitness when you have to bowl lots of overs um as then there's the fitness of being in the field chasing balls all day i've always been pretty lucky with that um as a kid, I would, you know, run city to surf and half marathons without really training. So mm. I was just, I was sort of always able to do that kind of stuff. So I'd do a lot of, a lot of those, that kind of stuff as a younger bloke. I've sort of had to manage myself a bit more these days. You know, I've had, I've had some knee surgeries and injuries and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's sort of important to keep body weight down, want to look mm. after your knees. You know, so that's been, that's been sort of something you've sort of got to continue to work on. But yeah, the, the physical fitness is really important. Um, you've got to get through, you know, your 96 overs, whatnot, you know, 40 degrees or whatever it was today. So you still mm. got to, you do have to have that, that level of fitness as well as have that sort of game fitness as well to be able to continue to bat for periods of time without your back spasming and be able to bowl those overs. But yeah, fitness, fitness is important, but I suppose you kind of, at different stages of your life, you kind of have to do your fitness differently. So I don't run anymore, I pretty much cycle for fitness and swim and... Mm. But you still have to, you do have to maintain that. There are those, a couple of names that I've mentioned, you know, Gavin Robertson in particular has bemoaned the fact that, and you touched on this, that there aren't as many, in inverted commas, old heads around dressing rooms to teach and show young players coming through the ropes. Even not as many old heads to just sit down and listen to and absorb knowledge that way there is a push rightly or wrongly perceived or otherwise that young players are given a push when they are showing any sign of potential in both the men's and women's games ahead of older players and some people bemoan the fact that the the grade competition and the grade game has suffered as a result you've seen that whole revolution in your time in the game, where do you stand and where do you see it? I think with regard to teams, I do think teams, it's very important to actually have a bit of a mixture. You've got to have a bit of a mixture of youth and a bit of experience. I think that helps the team. 
you know, it can be as simple as actually just drawing and experience what you've seen in the past. Um, you know, even with a toss, you've seen many, many wickets over the years, you know, and you can you can make a better decision just by basically looking back at your experience. So, but then again, you know, it's it's great to have the younger blokes in there as well. I think I think a mixture is really really important uh, in in a team to be successful. Um, with regard to people being selected and advanced, you know, you, we do, you do see that a certain extent. It's sort of it's almost like people are getting cherry-picked on potential to a certain extent. We see a few examples of that. Um, even I think at our, our meeting, we were told this year that the, the, the policies changed and Sydney grade cricket, they're looking more at um, actually performances rather than just picking on, on potential. But um, Has that been the case? or Well, I don't know. Um, I, I, have to, I have to admit I don't, I don't follow Shield cricket terribly much mm. these days. Um, virtually not at all. Um, you know, do so. You, see, you do hear, oh, that, you know, the blokes in the team saying, oh, this guy plays for this, this guy plays for that. But um, yeah, I, it, I think it's important that um, it is important that people sort of put the runs on the board in grade cricket, and I think that's probably, it. I think they're they're doing that a little bit more these days. I think. It's just a shame that some of those other blokes in the past who have put the runs on the board for many, many years haven't always been the ones that they kicked it. Because there was a period in the middle of your time in the game where it was, if you were young enough, you were good enough, no matter how many runs you were making. Yeah, well, it seemed like that for some people, but, um, but once again, I'm, I'm not a selector. It's really hard to comment, but I think you know the people who sort of churning out runs year in and year out um, probably should be the ones that get a decent look at rather than somebody who might have potential. Um, and once again, like sometimes those you know, futures games and other kind of games are, I suppose, considered more important and the results in those are considered more important than, than I suppose, people who are consistent in break mm. competition. But once again, I'm not a selector, mm. but I'll leave that to the experts. <laughs> in inverted commas. You mentioned that you don't really follow a lot of Shield cricket and you've also mentioned that you watch different cricket like women's cricket because you're sick of seeing the same old same old doing the same old things over and over again is that in a way a commentary on the way the game has gone at shield level i don't know i i have to say like i i probably devour and watch a lot more cricket in the winter time at whatever level um i've always found watching cricket games during the summertime very mentally draining Mm. and mentally tiring for some reason I don't know why, it sort of mentally tires me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to save that mental energy for my own games to a certain extent. And also, just that fairness with family and whatnot. Mm. You know, I do, you do spend a lot of time training, a lot of time playing. Um, I know in the lead up to Christmas this year, for example, it would have been nearly two months of Saturday, Sundays, week in and week out, which is a, a really big ask for families. So if I then sat in the lounge and watched um, you know, watch the cricket again, it'd be like, yeah, come on, mate. Enough's enough. Be fair, yeah. Spend some time with... Yeah, spend some time with your kids, please. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Especially in your situation where you've got wife and daughters yeah. in the in the family and you're outnumbered in, for, for want of a better word. Yeah, well, even my dogs, even my dogs are female, so yeah, <laughs> it's um, very, very much outnumbered. Um, but, um, but no, I wouldn't really have it any other way, to be honest. All right. With the record now, what about Rob Aitken's future? 
How's the, the body now? Firstly, is it still holding up? Is it still good enough to get through games of cricket or are the aches and the, and the creaks taking a little bit longer? Honestly, I thought I was, about, I was done about five years ago. Like Once I had the sort of problems with knees and whatnot, it took a real long time to recover from that. But at the moment, I'm going along pretty well. Um, so it's just a matter of I'm still enjoying playing. Um, so at whatever level, I think I'll continue to play while I enjoy it. Um, so... Whether that's whether that be grade cricket, whether it be park cricket, I think I probably still play if I'm mm. enjoying it. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, while while I can play, I will. And you know, I, I think I've said to somebody else recently, um, the 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 president of the North Sydney Cricket Club for many years, um, um, he obviously no longer is, but Bevan White and even even um, Doug Cole, um, who's also president and and. Uh, Various, various other jobs. They would always say to me, um, "These are two very old heads. Yeah, you're a long time retired." Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very much of the opinion, you know, you you continue to play while you can. Um, you can maintain your standard if you keep going. Mm-hmm. If you stop, it's very hard to get back. Yeah. Um, but you're able to maintain it um, while you can. You're a long time retired, so yeah, keep playing. So I, I, I think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You'll be thinking about that again at the end of this season. Oh, every year, every year you, you reassess and think, okay, how did I how did I go? How's the body? Um, how's the how's the time? How's the work life sport balance going? Um, but um, but yeah, as at the moment, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still I'm still moving all right. So um, yeah, I, I'd like to continue playing um, while I can. Well, uh, that leads to the next thing. Uni of New South Wales officials did some quick maths today as well and I'm sure you may have done that others may have done that I've done that if and there are a lot of ifs here if North Sydney played two finals this season you would be on target if you played every game next summer including T20s to rack up 500 at the end of next summer seriously that's a, that's a lot of cricket games that's a lot of cricket games for a long time now it's been very much one game at a time um <laughs> So I just play one game at a time because I'm I'm very aware that you know my hands are my hands are sort of belted and bruised. You know I've, I think I've already had two broken fingers so far this season. Um, but you know it's always one game at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I while I can I will. Um, while I enjoy it I will. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? Would you look back on if you got to 500 or even 480, 490, whatever you finish up with, 520? whatever the number is it's going to be a number that is going to take a heck of a long time to be toppled given the fact that a lot of players don't stay in the game as long these days it appears from a younger age as they used to i think yeah i think that actually might be i I don't yeah it's looking like it's very hard for actually people to sort of play for any length of time these days with the nature of work you sort of have to be in a very special situation in order to just continue to play um just work is work is so hectic mm-hmm. um, for many people. I know my work my work life balance sometimes gets. I struggle getting towards Christmas time, playing lots of cricket, school reports, due, um, all those Christmas things that you got to do. It's yeah, it can be. It's a it's a crazy time. Um, I don't know how my wife deals with it. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, um, she's amazing. So uh, yeah, that, it is pretty tough. But and yeah, it's it's, it's probably going to get increasingly difficult for people to play for any length of time. Um, I'm, I'm guessing people, if they, if they get the right job and the right circumstances, it could potentially happen. But mm. yeah, it's, it's it's not as likely as 
not as likely as it would have been in the past, I think, with sort of just the speed of our world. And That's something you'd be proud of when you eventually retire to get to whatever mark it may be? Mate, I'm, 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 I'm very happy with all the things I've done so far. I don't think I'd change anything. Um, you know, actually, I probably would change a few things when I think about it. <laughs> I would have had my eyes tested a bit earlier. <laughs> Uh, you said to me before, uh, you're more of a batsman, you're more of a bowler. Well, I started off as a bowler for the fact that, I, you know, I was, I think I still hold the, like, the under-13s Parramatta, you know, batting average record. I think it was like 120-something or whatever. <laughs> so I was very much a batsman as a kid, but um, I think stealthily my eyes got worse and worse. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I, I was as blind as a bat. Uh, so, so my old man would always say, mate, you always find these weird ways to get out. I was finding these weird ways to get out because I actually couldn't see the ball. I didn't even know. Um, so it was amazing. Like, literally the first day I got my glasses, um, being the, I, bat, I think I was playing against Bankstown, um, and we were at Petersham Oval. The wicket was an absolute diabolical wicket. There was uh, Scott Thompson and Wayne Holsworth and Greg Trevina and who knows who else bowling at me. And I was playing them so easy. Like, cricket is easy. Look at it. Like, I never realised people could actually see the seam of the ball when the ball was coming down the pitch. So, like, I think my, my first probably would have been five seasons of first, four or five seasons of first grade. I literally couldn't see the ball and I was just a bowler. But after that, um, being able to see... So that's the thing I would change. I would change, I would get my eyes tested um, a lot earlier. And that would have consequently led me to being... As a kid, I was a top-order batsman. Mm. You know, I basically then had to work my way up from like number nine and ten into the batting order. Um, and that's hard work. Oh, it is hard work. You know, you sort of, I think I've got probably, I reckon in my career career, I've got nearly a hundred not out. Mm. Just for the fact that I started basically batting at um, eight, nine, ten for the first five years of playing cricket and getting like two or three not out. It was just sort of poking around. Fifties ruined. 50s room because the guy at the other end couldn't hold up. And, uh, and exactly right. So yeah, no, that, that would definitely be a thing I'd change. But but other than that, I, I really wouldn't change a lot. Um, I'm, I'm glad I didn't, you know, go into state to play shield cricket. Um, my taste, was, the, was the offer there for a time? Yeah, but my yeah, but my taste uh, my my taste through a four day cricket was like, oh, so this is what four day cricket is like, you know, basically. You know, playing New South Wales second eleven, you ended up um, sitting around, or you spent nearly three days in the field, a bowled four overs, batted, you know, the bottom half of the batting order. Was like, yeah, this is this is garbage. But um, and also, also, I, I really enjoy my job, um, so I wouldn't change that either, actually. Well, but, you you have to put the bills on, the, put the food on the table, and pay the bills after you finish playing cricket, particularly yeah, totally. when cricket doesn't pay the bills in a lot of people's instances still today. Well, in the past especially, it didn't really pay the bills for many people as well, though. Um, you know, like, only recently have sort of have cricket players been sort of earning sort of big salaries and things like that. And, you know, jumping between Australia and, and England and Australia and England, that's not a real great way to save up to, to get a house in uh, the <laughs> Sydney property market. So, um so yeah, but no, it's um, um yeah, it's um, it's been a pleasure, but um, yeah. Uh, and that goes back to what I mentioned right in the prologue when um, you started first grade cricket. Yes, Paul Keating was taking us through the recession we had to have, and that's another story altogether. What would you say to someone coming in, a 17, 18, 19 year old coming into first grade now? What have you been saying to the youngsters like the Tom Jackets of the world that have come into the game in the last couple of years? 
Oh, I think I think with cricket, it's just um, important you enjoy what you're doing. Um, so if you're enjoying what you're doing, you know you're happy to train, you're happy to you know happy to put in all that work. Um, from from my point of view, like I've always had like a pretty good work ethic. I've always sort of worked quite hard at my game. You know, there, there are many more talented players, but I've always just been a very hard-working player, and I've put a lot of work in throughout the years. A um, lot of lot of bowling in the nets, just by myself, with nobody else around. Um, so many throwdowns you wouldn't believe over the years. But um, so yeah, love it, because otherwise you probably shouldn't be doing it. Because to actually to actually you know to to do well, you've got to put the time in, and you can't put the time in if you don't love what you're doing. Well, you've certainly put the time in. Whenever that day comes, and just quietly, I don't think it's going to come just yet. One game at a time, mate. One game at a time. Or maybe if North Sydney do well in the final series again this season, that might sway the decision for next season again because this particular North Sydney side have done well the last couple of years, particularly this year after the Crossthwaites left when a lot of people said no Crossthwaites, no runs, no North Sydney. You've proved a lot of people wrong so far this season. You've been an ornament to the game. No one would have played 29 years of Sydney first grade. It's a mind-blowing figure, even just building that out. The list that I read out is mind-blowing for people following the game. It's exhausting reading it out. It's exhausting looking at those names, let alone playing against them. Oh, it's been a privilege to play with and against um, those blokes. It's, um, yeah, it has, been, it has been wonderful. And hopefully, maybe onwards to 500 and maybe onwards to one more premiership, perhaps? Who knows? It would be nice. I've been, we've been chasing that two-day premiership in North Sydney since the very first year I got here. We got knocked over by Fairfield Liverpool in the very first, um, the very first year in the in the final. It was their very first, um, very first premiership. So I... with a young Grant Lambert. That's exactly right. It was Grant Lambert, Doug Bollinger, Don Nash. You know all those kind of guys. There's another one I've forgotten. Don Nash. Yeah. That guy was really quick in, in PGs, I have to say. I think we played against him at Waitara Oval in PGs. Dubbo Don. Who, who is this bloke? It was sharp. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's um, maybe, maybe it'd be good. It'd be, it would be really good because you know everybody who um, who plays grade cricket wants to wants to win a, a first grade premiership. So haven't quite got there. One or two, one a one day premiership, which was incredible, um, an absolute highlight. Um, Unforgettable, actually, but um, mm. yeah, that elusive two-day premiership, who knows? Well, whilst you're there, there's always a chance. You've been an absolute ornament to the game. It's an overused terminology, I know, but no one would have played the number of games for the number of years that you have without becoming an ornament to the game. And there may still very well be a couple of bags left in the kit bag to come out before Rob Aiken finally... Uh, calls it a day. Thank you so much for spending your time with us here on Splinters. We have run out of time. It is getting dark. The umpires have brought the light meters out and stumps have been called. So it is time to finish it up. Congratulations on an outstanding career and hopefully there's a little bit more left. Thank you so much, Rob Aiken. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been great. It certainly was great to catch up and talk cricket with Rob Aitken a worthy and certainly most humble new owner of the record for the most number of games played in the Belvedere Cup Sydney first grade cricket competition. That's it for this episode of Splitters. Join us next Tuesday night when we start our rugby league previews for 2020. 
with the Canterbury Cup New South Wales Cup preview. That competition is only five and a half weeks away from kickoff as this episode of Splinters was being put to bed. Unbelievable, isn't it? Until then, be good or be good at it. My name is Tony Dose and the Sultan. For this episode of Splinters, it's goodbye. <laughs>